Premier League games getting cancelled, Todd Bowley firing Thomas Tuchel, and the Champions League finally kicking off. We have a lot to talk about this week. Jack is back with us in the studio, so we're very, very happy to talk soccer with him. If you enjoy the show, definitely leave a rating. We obviously very much uh, appreciate your guys' support, so it would mean a lot to us if you left that review. And yeah, hope you guys like the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Monday, so it's our news and predictions show where we go over the biggest news, the biggest games on and off the field. Uh, games are on the field, obviously. News could be on and off it. That's how that's how soccer works, I suppose. I'm AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm a fan of West Ham United, which went okay uh, in our Europa Conference League game kind of had to get bailed out pretty hardcore by some refereeing decisions, but whatever. Uh, Minnesota United, which is going terribly now. Uh, I don't think we've scored in three games. I've been outscored no. seven to zero, uh, and a fan yeah. of the U.S. national teams, which uh, has been going all right. A lot of a lot of players are coming back, playing well. Weston McKenney is starting consistently. P. Fock unfortunately missed the penalty today, uh, but Gio Reyna got two assists uh, in the Champions League this uh past week so that's been fun and i'm joined by the biggest viking supporter now right jack and vikings are are back in full swing i i have decided that i i i was only supporting the packers to make people mad so yeah i i i'm trying to support vikings this season i think it i think it went well today I, i i missed the fourth quarter of the game but yeah uh it just finished up. I remember last year, uh, whenever we'd record in the falls, so we'd always give updates on our respective teams. And I guess now just the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, but the Vikings did beat the Packers. Very, very fun. Good way to start the season. Uh, I've been actually watching a lot of just different sports recently. Uh, me and my roommates have been watching the U.S. Open. That's been a lot of fun. I actually just uh, wrapped up a couple seconds before we started recording. Watched the Formula One. Saw the Gophers game yesterday in football. And of course watching some soccer jack so presumably you've been watching uh at least some soccer in the past couple weeks i know we just started school but how are you how has school been and what teams are you supporting and watching uh well i'm supporting chelsea sometimes sometimes happily sometimes not so happily i will get into that Uh, huh yeah um will we yeah i think a little bit yeah we'll Uh, have to (laughs) yeah Uh, i was looking at the at the the lineup of, of stuff that we're talking about um I'm also a fan of Atalanta, which I did not watch today because they played at 5.30 a.m. Oh, uh, and I stayed up to watch the entirety of the Minnesota United game last night, which was a I'm mistake. Sorry. Yeah, uh, big mistake. I also did that when I was in Colorado when they played until like, I don't, I don't know, how late were they, were they playing until there? Like 11 p.m. as yeah. well? It was miserable. It was, not a, it was not a good choice. Uh and I'm also a fan of the U.S. and French national teams, and I think that covers the the, the teams there. Yeah, good. I, I don't good. think I'm missing anything. Yeah. Well, Jack, a fellow uh, Minnesota Gopher, I suppose. How, how how have classes been now that now we've started? We talked briefly about about it before we started, but how's it going? I mean, it's pretty good. I already had a 500 word essay due, so there is that. Awesome, awesome. Uh, but otherwise, I'm teaching a class, which is cool. Uh, well, 
TA in a class, but I also have to teach part of it. So there is that. Uh, Professor Jack over here. Okay. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll see if I choose to get a PhD. If I <laughs> choose to subject myself to six years more of school. But uh, yeah, it's it's been going pretty well. Uh, yeah. Not not too bad yet, but it's also syllabus week. So yeah, that's true. We'll see. Can't really tell. You know, get get back to us in October and, and yeah, see how exactly. we feel about yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, I guess you have a, a lot of decisions ahead of you. But this is going to be my last year, unless I come back to school like a, a decade down the line or whatever. But uh, so I'm excited. Uh, school's been going good, and obviously soccer has been going. Kind of good, kind of bad, depending on which teams, which leagues you support. So, Jack, let's get into it. Everybody, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show if you guys want to hear more about what we have to say about soccer. FinalThirdShow.com as well for all things uh, Final Third podcasts and related news items. Uh, let's start off, Jack, with our weekly segment where we give our hot take on whatever we want in the soccer world. Uh, you mentioned that you have something that's relatively uh, related to one of our future news topics that we're going to bring up in the show. I decided to, uh, you know, balance things out and do something that isn't going to be mentioned. Uh, but Jack, you, you actually, go first. You I should go, go first. first. Yes, yeah, you're right. Because, you're right. Yeah, it'll, it'll work better. Trust me. Just trust okay. me on this. So my personal hot take uh, for this is related to the Champions League new semi-audic semi-automatic there we go var system jack have you seen this yes actually uh i met up with reed yesterday okay uh and we were talking about it so yes yeah well i'm I'm actually now i want i want to hear uh his and your opinions but my opinion is that it isn't the end all be all answer to var it is it, it is a portion of the solution but it is not even close to actually solving what is structural issues within VAR. And for those of you who don't know, there is, in the Champions League, they debuted this new semi-automatic VAR kind of software that shows you models of the players in question when the offside, uh, offside occurs. And what is cool about this, unlike in the Premier League where they would show like you know the lines where you don't really know what the line is covering, how much of the player's offside potentially. Instead, it shows it as a 2D plane. So you see the 2D plane, like a wall, cut through the uh, defender and then cut through the uh, offensive player, the attacker. And if the offensive uh, attacker's uh, like body, legs are past that plane, then it sh- it has like this red outline and everything, and you're like, okay, that portion of his or her body when they eventually dole it out to everybody is offside. Therefore, this calls offside, and that's cool, right? But I've always held that I don't think pixel perfect calls are necessarily a solution to the game. I think deep down inside, people like to have a little bit of human errors some, some some ways to uh interpret what is offside onside i feel like people still like the drama even though they say they don't uh even if that's not necessarily individual thing but more of like an aggregate this is just what sports fans wants i know major league baseball wants to have like the the super precise umpire like strike strike square rectangle I, I kind of like blown calls because that's how you get videos like uh like a john boy who make fun of uh referees and stuff like you you get that amount of drama so i don't really agree with the fact that you necessarily automate make it automatic 
that's an, an entire different thing. But I also think that uh, the way that they go about it is a little bit too precise for it to make sense, right? If you have just like a single millimeter of your knee offside, that's not going to give you so much of an advantage. We've had this discussion before. So I think if we are going to have this system elsewhere, you're going to have to have some amount of uncertainty value to it, a little bit of error. So maybe not like you... Maybe not like, oh, if you're an inch offside, you are offside, but rather if you are X amount of inches off and it so happens to be your foot, that matters a little bit more than if it's your head just happens to be a little bit offside. So having a couple of inches, a couple of centimeters, I suppose, if you're going to go with the metric system uh, of uncertainty is good and it allows us not to be too pixel perfect and take the spirit of the game out. Jack, what did you and Reed say about it? I'm curious now. Uh, we pretty much agreed on okay. with you with what you said. It, it doesn't make sense to overrule things for, like, pixel-perfect things. It's not going to be exact. It, it, it can't be. Uh, you know, modeling in any field is more or less sometimes a guess. It can't be exactly precise because there are too many extant variables that could run into things i'm getting too into into statistics no but you're making sense absolutely yeah there's just too many other variables for it like for example if the a player uh, one of the things that i've heard people suggest like oh use the player's shirt uh like the sleeve as like uh, a rule for offside the model is not going to be able to capture the exact like where the shirt is down the arm and it changes throughout a game and what difference does it make if the sleeve is like I'm showing I'm showing AJ on the camera, but yeah. if it's like a like three inches <laughs> up your arm versus like four inches or or two inches away from your elbow, three inches away from the elbow versus two inches away. Either way, if if the ball comes off of there or you try and make a play from that, it's probably going to get called off for for a handball. Uh, you know, so it doesn't make a difference. Like the some of those pixel perfect things. Don't make a difference. Yeah. And for example, does a centimeter like a, your does putting your pinky toe in front of the defender give you a concrete advantage? No. No. Right. It it, it also comes down to your positioning, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh. So maybe you could add in another thing, but then that unnecessarily complicates things and makes decisions more yeah. subjective. So I don't think the digital platform or digital semi-automatic var is going to replace like human var because at the end of the day humans code the models so the models are going to be imprecise yeah to some extent so it's not going to be a perfect solution use it to check with a human var official maybe yeah yeah use them in tandem you shouldn't you you can't just use the auto var one it it wouldn't make sense to because there are you you know for a fact that it will lead to far more controversy yeah because humans like need to understand the context too and obviously var is like that type of technology is going to be binary it is offside it is onside we need humans to kind of decipher whether or not that var call that that they are going to used to overturn the on the field call is clear and obvious right you, you look at uh the one i've pulled up right now is 
the the screenshot of the Chilwell offside against Dynamo Zagreb, and it's pretty clear that he's offside, and, and I think they're just uh, you know double checking, and like most of his body is offside. Great, and you use that, and you say, okay, it makes sense with, with what the call was. We checked it, but again, like Jack said, pinky off. Who cares? All right, Jack, lead us into our n- news story, I suppose, with uh, one of your hot takes. Yeah, um, the Premier League canceling games, okay. stupid, stupid okay. decision. All right, there uh, you go. That is our first news story. There you go. Yeah, so, Jack, what that, is your hot take there? Uh, that, it, that it's a terrible decision to cancel the games. It doesn't make sense for it. Uh, I get to a certain extent, like, Britain's like, oh... The queen died, so we need to be sad and <laughs> grieve. Uh, and I, I think we should give some context here. Yeah, first. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably important. Uh, so the Queen of England died on Thursday. Yes. And so as a result, the Premier League, uh, for I think this week and potentially next week as yes, well, yes, potentially. Uh, has delayed all of their games. And not just the Premier League. All levels of the English soccer pyramid. And not just English, Scottish, Welsh, yep. Northern Irish as well. But not Ireland, because they had some chance the, this weekend. That we're... Of course not Ireland. I, I don't yeah. know why you'd ever expect that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure if you heard the chance from it, but... Uh, I, I, I have. We don't have yeah. to repeat them here, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'm already potentially being inflammatory enough for towards Britain, so we're yes, gonna... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but the reason why it's a bad idea i think and i've seen a lot of people have different takes about this so i'm going to kind of combine what i've heard into one thing one one person said like you know after after you know uh there there was i think it was a terrorist attack near like borussia dortmund they had to play in a ucl game the next day uefa made them do that uefa now is like no you you can you can like not play the game because of a period of mourning but like that doesn't make sense. Well, that, to, be, that's a, to, to be clear, I, I don't think Rishi Dortmund, that game should have gone on. It, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have. Oh, I'm but not, you're saying I'm that not, there's a double standard. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I'm saying. Gotcha, I'm saying gotcha. there's a double makes standard. Sense, I'm, sense. I'm not saying like, I. it's more of a like, make it make sense type of thing. You yeah. Know? Uh, but in, a, in, another, in another sense, like delaying all of these games, you're delaying two Premier League games, you're delaying... Uh, three to four games at in EFL League Two, League One, and Championship because they have a longer season. Where are those games getting played? Because yeah. Reed and I were talking about this yesterday. You take away these two these two season, these two weekends. International break comes next. It it might be a month until the next Premier League game gets not played. Not even then. Not even then. Because October is already packed because European games, cup games, all of that sort of stuff. That's already mm-hmm. packed full. So you, you've got that. November, World Cup break starts halfway through that. Yeah. And then December, World Cup still. And then, so the soonest games can be played is in January. So you're delaying this for two, for, for January. Yeah. So you have to wait until January for, for these games to even start being played again. And then adding in the FA Cup games that happen at say, the same I was time say, yeah. and UCL knockout, Europa League, uh, Europa Conference League knockout games, all of this stuff. It, it's going to lead to an incredibly bad fixture congestion. And we are going to see a lot of player injuries, I think, as a result of this, a lot more than usual. Yeah. And oh, yeah. it's, it's not going to be good. And 
even even then you can say oh why don't we just extend the season into may, uh, from out from the middle of may into june and if you do that then i guess you're say then the players don't get time to relax and recuperate and recover for the next season and each season just keeps getting more and more and more compressed so at some point in time and this i guess is like the core of the hot take we need less games not more i i mean i, I agree yeah <laughs> there, at, at a certain point expanding out how many games there are does worse things so like the ucl group cha- uh group stage changes are going to wreak havoc on a lot of the clubs that are participating in them it is going to destroy some play i i think that it's not unreasonable to think that this schedule this fixture congestion is going to destroy a player's career at some mm-hmm. point in time because of injuries just piling up and not giving them enough time to recover it's it is bad and it's all because Okay, I'm, I was about to say something far worse. It's all because uh, the the Queen of England died. I was about yes. to say something <laughs> maybe that I, that Irish fans would have been a huge fan of, but it it doesn't make sense to do this and to hold it to such a high standard. Like I I get to a certain extent, like oh, on the day of the funeral, we shouldn't play games that day. Fair enough, because everything else in England shuts down on that day. Yeah, but to say. For 10 days, we're just going to do nothing for this. Yeah. That, that seems bad. Yeah. Who, and who does that yeah. serve, right? Right. It, it, and, you know, it's, it's not like a universal thing. Like everyone in England is like, oh, wow, I really like the queen. And I think that she, she deserves to have like all of these days of grieving. Right. But at the end of the day, it serves supporting the monarchy and like, the supposed grandeur of the office and uh, and all that sort of stuff, which honestly, ma- I'm trying to not get too political. I'm no, trying. I, I, I'm trying. I, hey, hey, I, I, I'm not a monarchist. I'll yeah. say that much. I'm not. Mon- monarchies shouldn't exist. Like yeah. they, they, their time has passed. It, it should be gone. But it, it's it's just so incredibly stupid, and the yeah. the ripple effects alone are enough of a reason to not cancel them yes if if england honestly i i heard someone say this uh say this point it would be a sign of national strength and unity for all of these fans to go out to the grounds Mm -hmm. and to be singing like uh god save the queen right like their national anthem you know what team did that on thursday before everything got shut down mm -hmm. west ham united That's like a sign of unity. And, and it was kind of sick. I, I, I don't like the queen. That was kind of right. sick to see that, though. Right. So I, I think that Britain could have made a more powerful, uh, or the UK, not just Britain, because it's all, all Scotland. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Wales. And honestly, I don't, I don't see why Scotland... <laughs> Scotland shutting down for this is kind of, kind of ironic, yeah. given that Scotland yeah. does not want anything to do mm-hmm. with, with Britain, but... Uh, it would have been a sign, a sign of like national unity, and that yeah. could have been kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think once again, monarchy ruins things. Uh, yeah, uh, there you it's go. It's a common trend. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll add on to all of your points. Uh, first, by saying that uh, one of the one of the proponents of the idea of the togetherness from playing games and honoring her. Uh, one of the proponents was Peter Crouch, who says, quote, I know it's only a game and some things are much bigger, but imagine all our games went ahead this weekend. Black armbands, silences observed, national anthem, royal band playing, etc. To the millions 
millions around the world watching. Isn't that a better send off? And it makes you think, right, like that this is more of an appeasement of royalists and the, the, the power of the monarchy than it is actually celebrating the queen. To a certain point, I would even say that, I, again, I am not a, 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 a queen supporter. I'm not a, a royal supporter at all. But to a certain point, it almost seems disrespectful to not play these games if the queen, as she was, was a major supporter of British sports, if she understood what it meant for a community, and if, I don't know, she wanted to have a celebration of her life instead of just a, a, a sad mourning, right? And the thing is, like, uh, people have suggested that it was because of policing efforts being co consolidated. Uh, that might be the, that is almost certainly going to be the case during her funeral, almost certainly going to be the case the entirety of next weekend. Uh, but for this weekend, uh, it, it's been it's been found out that uh, policing wasn't a factor in postponing uh, the, the games. Uh, the decision was made purely as a mark of respect following the Queen's death. Uh, but even the supporters of the Football Association, or that's not true, the Football Supporters Association, <laughs> a, a different group, uh, yeah. similar names, I suppose, uh, they said, quote, our view, which we shared with football authorities, is that most supporters would have liked to go to games this weekend and pay their respects to the Queen alongside their fellow fans. So, Jack, you are, are right there with a lot of the supporters there who wanted to, you know, have their own send off and not be not have a certain way of mourning forced down their throats by the F.A. And there's a lot of historical context here, Jack, that I actually did some uh, uh, digging on. Right. When King George the Sixth died in 1952, everything in England, in in Great Britain, UK, whatever, too many countries, shut down. And yep. that that includes like a lot of businesses, a lot of sports, but not football, not soccer. And they got into a lot of heat from it from uh, the local newspapers and stuff. Now, in the year of our Lord 2022, things are different. And now. When you look at what happened this past weekend, it was football that was, again, the odd one out, but the roles are reversed. Rugby went on. Cricket went on. Uh, a certain amount of concerts and, uh, uh, you know, charity events went on. Comedy shows were canceled right on Thursday, but has since come back. And so you ask yourself, well, why did they do this? If everyone else is celebrating her life in their own way, who wins, I think, is the main question. Because football clubs that are being affected, especially the lower league ones, lose out on match day revenue. And when and let's be honest, a lot of football clubs, especially once you get to the lower levels, they're not running month to month. They're running like week to week in terms of like how well they can pay their employees and stuff. And then you have fans who don't care about the royal family, whether that's in Great Britain or in, let's say, India or China or the USA, right? They don't care, and now they lose out on entertainment. And fans, like I mentioned before, who do care, don't get to tribute the queen. So fans that actually do want to give a, a gesture of goodwill can't do that. They can't do that in the one place where community matters most, which would make sense to celebrate the, uh, the, the queen's passing and her life and what she's achieved. And maybe even more important than that, 
the casual stadium workers who, let's be honest, aren't getting paid a lot, getting paid minimum wage there, uh, uh, probably uh, rely on, on that job to make rent or whatever else. They don't get that money for the next two weeks. And guess what? They're not going to be able to work a game probably until a month from now. That sucks. It's great that that these players get time off, that that uh, the coaches get time off. Meanwhile, the regular workers across the country had to go into work. And even if you want to look at it just money wise, sponsors and broadcasters also lose out. I, I, there were rumors that the broadcasters wanted to, to you know, postpone the games because of the PR nightmare that could have happened if they played through. And guess what? The PR nightmare still exists and other sports have done it and have been applauded for playing. And so they, they, they put their bets down and they lost everything. They lost the house. Yep. And even though the games are going to get rescheduled, it's going to be midweek. So the value of having a midweek game is less than having what would, what, what would be this weekend. And so they lose out on money due to less uh, lo- lower viewership. So you can't even say that they did it for money. They did it specifically to not make money. And they lose out. And the players, as we mentioned, lose out because they have to play an even more condensed schedule. And so literally, literally, literally nobody wins in this situation. Nobody. Except the people who don't care about soccer, who just want the monarchy to be... Okay, now I have to be careful because I can't say it. You know, to be be honored uh, without anything else being a, a, a quote-unquote distraction and to me that, that that's that's wild it's stupid and when you look when you look at the pros and cons list like the cons of going on is like three pages long and the pro is like one line long so what's the deal yeah of, of course there's security reasons why we can't play during the funeral which i think is that's fair next that, sunday i think it's yeah ten, it's always 10 days after they yeah, pass 10 days so that would be sunday sunday right okay that makes perfect sense but 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 let, 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 let's think about society here right I, i'm not gonna say anything bad but also there's a lot more in play than just the death of a queen and I'll, I'll I'll leave it there. Jack, that was our yeah. first news story too, and it also was your hot take. So I'm really yeah. glad we talked about that. It was. It, did Did Reed have an opinion on this? Now that we're bringing Reed into everything. Oh yeah, he 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 pretty much agrees with that as well. No yeah, shock, dude, I know. Reed's base. Reed's base. I know, yeah, he is. He, uh, he he he, he I I got a lot of my arguments from him as well. Good. So that thanks, Reed, for for right. for the for the Friend content. The show. The show. Thanks for the content. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that is the queen. That is some of our hot takes. Jack, let us do some trivia before we get into the main story this past week that has happened, and that is Jack York team yes. Chelsea firing Thomas Tuchel. We'll get to that after this short trivia break. Jack, what is the theme of our stat padding this week? Yeah, it's I, I've called it the odd one out because oh God. I have five yeah. statistics here. I oh I should explain stat padding. Yes. It's a trivia show. Uh, I, I talk about some statistics and AJ has to try and guess the answers. I say guess because usually uh, it ends up not being ones that people would normally know. So yeah. 
I, I dive in deep for, for some of these statistics to, to find some. And I really did today. I It took me about 30 minutes to compile stats oh, for wow. this episode. So it's called The Odd One Out. Basically, I'm going to name the to, uh, a top five list in a particular statistic in the Premier League. But one of those players does not belong in the top five. And you have to identify this. which one it is. I thought about making you name which player is should be in there, but that's that's too much. So we're just going to do pick the odd one out and then I'll tell you who is actually supposed to be there. OK, uh, are you ready? I am ready as ready as I can be, I suppose. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've gone with an easy one to start with. OK, and it's most goals. And also, right. I should note that the list is not necessarily in the correct order. OK, so. It's it's right. a list. I think not... I think I can get this. I think I can get this. I, I think you can as well. We've okay. got Erling Holland. Okay. We've got Easy. Alexander Mitrovic. Uh-huh. We've got Gabriel Jesus. We've got Harry Kane and Ivan Tony. Okay. Uh all right. See the reason why I was confident about this is because fantasy Premier League mm-hmm. the goals are like the main stat you care about, especially right. the forwards. Uh Erling Holland obviously is going to be there. Uh, Mitrovic has had a very cracking start, so he has to be there. Harry Kane. Harry Kane, I feel like, is there. I tried not to make it too obvious. Yeah, okay. This is tough. I, no, I, I feel like, I feel like he, he, he scored goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had a brace in there. Uh, Ivan Tony for sure. Because... I'm going to bring him in. And I looked at his goal stats literally like yesterday. Uh, so I'm going to go. Oh, yeah. It, it's got to be Jesus because he's literally on my team. And I know he scored like four goals, which I think is not going to be on the list. So I'm going to go with Jesus. It is, but he's only have three goals. Okay. Actually, well, he's got assists, whatever. Yeah. Okay. The actual rank is Erling Holland with 10. We've got Alexander Mitrovic with six. Harry Kane and Ivan Tony both with five. And Alexis McAllister with four. Wow. From Brighton. Okay. Uh, okay. Rodrigo and Zaha also have four, okay. but I just picked one for, for the sake of it. And so, uh, yeah, it was alphabetical <laughs> on that one. Gotcha. McAllister comes before Rodrigo and Zaha. So that, that's, that, you got that one. You got the first one. Now I'm happy. we move on to another offensive stat. Maybe you'll know this one because it's, it, it might be helpful for fantasy, which is chances created. Okay. So we've got Mo Salah. Okay. We've got Jack Harrison. Jack Harrison. Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. Trent Alexander-Arnold. And Ilkay Gundogan. One of these does not belong. Oh, God. Okay. Well, m- my initial thought is that two City players, maybe it's one of them. But I also think that two City players probably would be on here. Uh, and you said Jack Harrison is one of them? Yes. Okay. I, I could believe that. And, and I, I'm just going to assume Salah has to be on there. See, okay. I can believe two City. I can't believe two Liverpool. Because attacking-wise, they have not been on top. Salah has been creating a lot. Even though Trent Alexander-Arnold has historically uh, created a lot of chances. I'm, I'm going to go with him. Also partially because I... I, I I don't think you'd pass up the opportunity to slander on on Trent if the, if he isn't on this list. And you're laughing, so he isn't on this list. 
Yes, he is not on this list because you're right. I would never pass up an opportunity to slander Trent okay, Alexander-Arnold, okay. who cannot defend. But All right. <laughs> he, he is not on this list. And he can't create either, I suppose. Apparently. I, I mean, he's still he's close. He has 13 chances okay. created. The fourth play or the last place one on this because the rank is Salo with 24, De Bruyne with 21, Jack Harrison with 18, Gundogan with 16, and finally... James Ward Prowse with fourteen. Okay, so there, you you're you're two for two so far. I think this might be one of your best starts. All right, to well, I think I'm already I'm already better than like previous weeks. So yeah, helps that it's multiple choice. I'll be yes. honest. Next, we're gonna go to some defense goals prevented. Oh my god! So how what? many goals has this goalkeeper prevented? How? Okay, okay. So is, like is this it, uh, compared to XG? XG against right. Oh, XG gosh. against versus the actual goals. Sure. So we've got Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford. Allison. Okay, yeah. David De Gea. David De Gea. Aaron Ramsdale. And Nick Pope. Oh my god. It's a tough one. That it. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get this. Okay. So can, you, can you name them off again? Yes. Jordan Pickford. Okay. Allison. David De Gea. Aaron Ramsdale. And Nick Pope. Okay. Nick Pope with Newcastle, I can believe. Uh, Allison, obviously, I believe. De Gea? Oh, man, I, I, I got trouble believing that, I'll be honest. Uh, Jordan Pickford. I honestly don't think... I honestly don't think Everton have been... They got a lot of draws. And, oh, no, their defense is also bad. So, of course, he has to make saves. I'm going to go with De Gea. Is the odd one out? He is not the odd one <sighs> out in this one. It's actually. Uh, let me go through the re- through the rank here. Okay. It's uh, Jordan Pickford is top two point six goals. Yeah. Okay. Prevented. That, that Allison, makes sense now. Allison and Pope are tied with one point eight. The one that's not in there is Jose Sa with one point two. Okay. David de Gea is perfectly neutral. He is true neutral. Zero point zero. He is not he has not prevented any more goals than expected. All right. Uh, that's and Aaron great. Ramsdale is the odd one out. He okay. is actually one point eight goals below. Wow. So he has conceded one point eight goals more than expected. Who's the worst goalkeeper here? The worst goalkeeper here? Yeah. Uh if you'll let me go over to the encyclopedia, which is okay. foot mob, of course. Uh, I can tell you. And can you, can you also tell me where Fabianski is? Because now I'm, I'm I, I can. I can okay. tell you where, where he is. So def- goalkeeping, we've got goals prevented. Bottom of the list is Mark Travers from Bournemouth with negative oh. 6.4. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, that tracks. And then we've got Fabianski, negative 0.4. So not too bad. All right. Pretty. Right alongside Mendy with negative 0.3. Awesome. So, hey, let's go. There you awesome. go. And right. uh, Danny Ward is also pretty far down there, negative 3.5. Yeah. So, Yikes. Uh, so not, you, you've, you've missed one here, but you have a chance to go to redeem yourself. We've got interceptions per 90. Oh, God. <laughs> I dug deep for some of these stats. So I'm, we've I'm got gonna get this. Leander. Leander? Den Donker, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, Wolves. he's good. He's good. We've got Wesley Fofana from Chelsea. Okay. We've got Romain Perot from Southampton. Oh my god. Ben Mee of Brentford and Costas Simikas from Liverpool. Ooh. Oh my gosh. 
Okay. My thought process here. Remember, maybe, it is per 90, by the way. Per, yeah, you see, th- I was going to say, per 90. So, if you have one good defensive game, or, or like sub-minutes too, yeah, you, you can inflate your score versus mm-hmm. if someone plays relatively often. And so, Wesley Fofana is in because of that. You say Perot, Parade of Southampton? Perot. I'll be honest, Perot. don't know enough about him. It, it sounds BS enough for me to believe it, so I'll believe it. Simakas, also one of those, like, obviously, like, hasn't played a lot, so maybe is there. But Ben Mee. Ben Mee, I, I think, starts a lot for Brentford. Maybe has a good amount of interceptions, like, like, like gross interceptions. But per 90, see, this, this stat's, like, messing me up. Mm-hmm. Did Don Decker, I think, starts for Wolves. So it's between him me and i haven't heard and i've heard good stuff about the don decker i think think uh ben me's good but i'm gonna go with ben me just just off of like the sniff test you've got it it is ben okay. me see it's you gave me the per 90 hint and that that set me off yeah uh so ben me only has 2.5 interceptions per 90 the so actual rank is den donker with 3.8 wow uh, then we've got fofana with 3.3 Perot also with 3.3. Uh, the missing one was Fabian Schar with 2.8, and then Kostas Simikas with 2.7. So you're at three, three out of four. Yeah. You have a chance to get 80% here. And it's fitting that we're talking about percents because the last one is shot conversion rate expressed in this. percentages. This one took the most amount of time to find. Oh, oh my gosh. So we've, we've got five players here. Find the odd yeah. one out. We've got Erling Holland, we've got Raheem Sterling, Wilfred Zaha, Harry Kane, and Luis Sinistera. Oh, wow. This is a tough one, okay. This, this is a tough one. Holland? I'm gonna, I mean, has to, he's very efficient. So, so how's the stat defined again? This is, so, from shots taken, how many are scored? Oh, easy Holland's gonna be there. Harry Kane is interesting. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so Sterling's also in there. I feel like I feel like I also have to think. It, it's it, I. I feel like the main indicator here is how many goals have they scored? Because I, I like I, I I can't really like in my head tell how many uh shots that they've taken. But I mm-hmm. like I, I I do know how many goals have been scored by them. So so those are three. Zaha I, you mentioned is another one. He is also, you mentioned he scored four goals. Who's the other one? Uh, Sinistera. Luis Sinistera from Leeds. But he, but he hasn't played a lot, so man, man, man. Okay. I, I'm going to go with... Save the toughest for last. I know. Okay. I'm going to go with the one that has scored the least amount of goals, but I feel like still takes like a good amount of shots. I'm going to go with Zaha. Is that one of the ones? That is an option. Okay, I'm going to go with Zaha. It's Ron, though. Oh! It's Ron. And uh, so you should have used the same deductive reasoning that uh, on chances created, because what player of the list would I love to take the opportunity to slate? It's Harry Kane, isn't it? It is Harry Kane, because I, of I course. thought about that. I, I'm like, you can't do that twice in, in one game. Oh, of course I would. Of course Frick, I would. Frick, dude. Uh, 
Actually, on top of the list is Luis Sinistera with 40% of his shots going in. Yeah, see, that, that made sense to me. Yeah, uh, and then you've got Erling Holland, who has a 30% conversion rate. Insane, uh, given, given how many goals he has scored. Uh, Zaha is third, 23.4%. Sterling is right behind with 23.1%. And the missing person was Ivan Tony with 20.8%. Mm, Harry yeah. Kane... 19.2%. Still not terrible, but also not top five. Yes. Jack, and that's uh, it. So three did, out of five. Did you, did you get these, these stats from FootMob or did you get this from the Premier League? Uh, FootMob plus the Premier League app. Yeah. So I, I cross-referenced. Yeah. Uh, now this game's concluded, I actually went to uh, the FootMob uh, player stats for the Premier League. And now that I'm looking at it, uh, Erling Holland is half of these attacking, uh, yes. on top of half of these attacking stats. Yes, that's, he is. That's scary. <laughs> Yes, he, he, he is. I would not want to be a defender playing against him, and I'm yes. glad I'm not. Yes, uh, and unlike, unlike him, I'm not on top of these stats. I am uh, 60%, n- not terrible compared to where I've been before, but I should have known that last one. That the, the, the last one was definitely doable. So You, you just have to remember, who would I take the opportunity to slate? Yes, there you, you know, go. It, it's that, that's, that's a pretty good indicator on some of these questions. All right, yes. Well, listeners, I hope you guys did a little bit better than me. 80% to 100% definitely doable. Uh, and also doable is Chelsea not being uh, a merry-go-round of managers. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. That is actually physically impossible. Change the owners, sure. Change the managers, sure. You still can't ch- take the Chelsea out of Chelsea. Man. So, <laughs> this is uh, the, the main news story we'll be talking about here, I guess. Thomas Tuchel is out. Graham Potter is in at Chelsea Football Club, Jack's beloved club. So, let's talk about what happened. Was it deserved? And what does it mean for Chelsea in the long run? If you guys are still listening, glad you're here. First of all, let's talk about what happened, Jack. I'll, I'll give a short rundown before asking you, was it deserved? Basically, uh, after you know some relatively poor results in the league, uh, Pretty bad loss against Dynamo Zagreb. I guess we can talk about that a little bit uh, in the Champions League. Who, uh, fun fact, actually have now beaten the top four London teams. Arsenal, uh, in no particular order, I'm sorry. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, and West Ham. Uh, No Crystal Palace, though. Crystal Palace stays undefeated. Because, Uh, by virtue of not playing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, on, on top of, you know, Losing Dino Zagreb, also just a general downturn in form since last year. Tuchel was let go uh, earlier this week. And this was also after 280 million pounds thereabouts of transfers in just mere days before he got fired. So a little bit of controversy there. And right away, uh, the, the, the rumors went off. We had uh, rumors of Pochettino potentially coming in. Uh, uh, that Gra- didn't happen. Yeah, Graham Potter potentially coming in. Uh, Jose Mourinho coming in for a third round. I, oh my I, god! <laughs> I, I highly doubt that would, that would ever happen. Uh, but Graham Potter was obviously the, one of the front runners since that. He, you know, seeing as he is coming from a undeniably like smaller club, but is still a very very good English manager. And so that is the lowdown. So now Graham Potter is officially in. I think it was a release clause about sixteen million pounds. I, 16, I thought it was 10, but 10, uh, maybe, maybe the conversion's different. 60 million euros. I don't know what the conversion rate is, but, uh, yeah, more than 
not a lot let's go with that it, it, it was a it was a hefty amount for a release clause for a manager i think he was like one of if not the most like expensive manager in terms of transfer value uh not that managers have a lot of transfer value uh but th- that is that is what has happened potter in tuchel out jack there's different there's a lot of different ways that we can go about this tuchel did he deserve to be fired is the question here the, the way that i see it that there's a couple different ways that you can look at it it's like a what was his relationship like with the locker room b his results and c like just what did the ownership want in general so uh, if you want to take it any which way you are the chelsea fan i'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about it in in your mind was it deserved uh yeah let's leave it at that i don't know so there's a, there are there are a lot of things to consider with this. Yeah, a lot, a lot. I'm going to start with one that I don't think justifies it and then move on to what I think does. Okay. So not I'd say downturn in form. At the beginning of a season where you've spent this much money, downturn in form does not necessarily like is not grounds for firing, I think. Especially after you replace what three three fifths of your back line right, with uh, Fofana, Koulibaly, and Cucurella coming in, if you replace three-fifths of that, you're, you're going to need some work to, to make it gel. And also adding in two new attackers. Gonna need mm-hmm. some time for that. So that by itself is not necessarily a reason to fire. Were there some, were there some losses that probably could have turned into ties or, like, if they were managed better, maybe could have been wins? Sure. but. At the end of the day, it's not like it's entirely Tuchel's fault. Yeah. So can I can, can, I, mm-hmm. can I butt in and, and yeah. like ask you a little bit more about like the on, on the field downturn, whatever, whatever. Uh, obviously, he won the Champions League. Obviously, mm-hmm. like last season was like pretty decent all altogether. You know, Club World Cup, uh, top top four finish, uh, third place finish, uh, reached the finals of, of a good amount of cup competitions. Pretty good, right? Uh, but there's also some underlying stats that come out and uh, I saw, saw this uh, stat where it said comparing Tuchel, Tuchel's first 50 games where yep. he looked like one of the best managers in Europe to the last 50 where it almost looked like he made his Chelsea team underachieve. You look at goals scored. I, th- I think goals scored and goals against told the biggest story. Goals scored stayed relatively the same, increased it a little increased bit. Increased a little bit. 81 yeah. to 87. Goals against went from 24 to 53 against. Is there any inclination that there was some truth to uh, results in that way affecting his firing from Chelsea's minds to Todd Bowley's minds? Like, like, what do you think about that? Maybe, although I don't think that was the main factor. Like, people, people saw, you know, I'm into stats, and people saw, oh, they lost to Zagreb, and then Tuchel gets fired next day. Correlation does not equal causation. Rule yeah. one of statistics. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not always, like, the, the, the easiest line. Like, Occam's yeah. razor is not always true. Yeah, so it's not, it, I, I think maybe that kind of gives you an idea that maybe it's, may, maybe they were thinking about moving on before. Like, they, they said they had talked about it a little bit before that, but at the same time, I, I don't think that just 
it, it's entirely Tuchel's fault, right? Okay, the yeah, players, I agree. The players as well, uh, for one, had to play a lot more games in a more condensed schedule last year. So that that can harm some results a little bit. And also you think about, you know, some uh, some injuries that that occurred. Uh, you know, Reese James was out for a long time, who is far better defensively than, you know, Azpilicueta or Pulisic or Ziyech at right wing back. Uh, and then you have Chilwell being out for the entire season. Marcus Alonso is not a good is not a is not a good defender. So yeah, there there's some there's some factors outside of Tuchel's control but, that lead that leads this. But who is the manager that chooses these players? Right? Like 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 you know if you're out of wingbacks, maybe you switch your system. Maybe you have some tactical flexibility. You know. Even though like you could say like X player was injured, Y player was like whatever. As a whole, as an aggregate, do do you think that Tuchel? Because this is what I'm thinking. I'm I'm leading into this to to this watering hole right here. I I personally think that Tuchel had a very talented group of players. Still still did when he got fired, and still managed to underachieve given the talent levels of these players. So you say like obviously. Tuchel wasn't the only one that was at fault here but I, I feel like even then like the example I just mentioned he is still at fault for at least a good portion of the reason why they failed even if there's injuries even if player form like dips because he is like the one that is still leading the team through that I don't know at the same time I, I, I get where you're coming from and in some cases yeah it yeah I, I see what you're saying but also how is he going to switch the system and make it work well? Because left back, the only option you have is Marcus Alonso. And he's worse uh, at left back than he is at left wing back. So, uh, and then, you know, it, it's, it, it, maybe the tactical inflexibility isn't great, right? It, it probably isn't. But I, I also think because of the players that he had, because of the injuries, it can't be entirely attributed to him. Do, does he... I'm not trying to say he deserves no blame for those. Uh-huh. He obviously does because he picks the tactics. He picks the lineups. So, yes, he deserves some of the blame. But he, he is not the only reason. Uh, the, the multiple R squared value is not one when, sure. when, it, comes, when it comes to Tuchel. If, if there's any statistics people out there that got that, thank you for laughing at the joke, I presume. Uh, but that, that, that's, that's one reason. Now... For the reason that does matter, it's the relationship with the board. And I, and I feel like, actually, uh, I went back to listen to one of our first episodes we did. Because this podcast basically started with Lampard getting fired. Yeah, I was going to say, that, it's, it's, it's gone full circle <laughs> now. Yes. Uh, we, we have, this podcast has officially existed for one Chelsea manager's reign. Yeah. So, uh, I don't not, know if not that's... Not a huge it, achievement, I'll be honest. It's lasted for a lot of Watford's managers' reign. That's true. For, That's for true. that, for the record, but uh, I, I look, I look back on that, and when Tuchel was brought up as an option, you said he has oh, a history of of like butting in with the board, and that's why he fell out at PSG. Oh wow, I was right. Holy crap! Yeah, you you were right. I was cool. like, I don't know, I don't think it'll be an issue, but I was naive enough. Apparently, you. You know ball apparently, or at least <laughs> boardrooms. Uh, I, I, so I, I did, I did like one hour of research into it. And I was like, oh wow, yeah. yeah. So 
yes, yeah, so that ended up being the downfall because Tuchel has always been a kind of person where he wants to focus on what's happening on the pitch. That's it. He doesn't yeah, want any part absolutely. In anything, which to a certain extent, respectable, right? Like I can respect it. At the same time, when your club is operating through a period where the entire board gets switched out, owners get switched out, all of the board leaves, Granovskaya leaves, uh, Bruce Buck leaves, Petr Cech leaves, all of, the, all of these key players leave, and you don't have a sporting director. You need to be in contact with the board. You can't just focus on what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. So I, I get where Bully and company are coming from, saying, look, we, we, need, uh, we need to make a change because we want a manager who's going to be more responsive and work with us on building more of a project. I respect Tuchel to a certain extent of saying, I don't want to be involved with that. Like, fair enough. But this is not the club and the time period to be doing that. So I think that mm, it's getting ahead of, ahead of it a little bit. Yeah. But I think it shows a change by this ownership. This, like, uh, yes, you can see this as a continuation of a trend. Uh, like, you know, as you opened it up with. New Chelsea man or new Chelsea owner, still the same process of of firing managers. I think that's a that's a bit uh, of the incorrect it's thing a, to pull a little, away. From a little it. reductive, you think? Yeah, I I think it's the I I don't think it's the right conclusion to pull away from this. Okay, I don't think it's like a firing like the Abramovich era where oh you lost X number of games. Like it it felt like in Abramovich's system, it was like not three strikes and you're out, but like five strikes and you're out, you know, like it, uh -huh. it felt like there, there was like a certain breaking point of bad results. You go out. This feels different because of the rationale, at least what we know from, from the board this time. Uh -huh. And I can already feel like some Chelsea fans thinking, Oh, you're an American. So you're defending American owners. No, not necessarily. But what I, what I I'm thinking about, what are Todd Bowley's other team that he owns the LA Dodgers really known for? in baseball. I didn't know much, so I asked other people that knew more uh, on this. And the Dodgers are known for now for creating a project. They've been creating a project that's now kind of a winning machine, if, if, uh, if, if you will. <laughs> they've, they've been doing really well. Maybe not winning titles all the time, but I just looked today. They won 11-2, to and right now in the, uh, in the National League, they are 96 and 43 with almost a 70% win percentage. Right. They're seven games above the next, or actually, no, the Astros are, are in, in the National League, they're seven games above the next team. Even above the, the next team in the American League, six games above. The Dodgers are built different, and it's all because of the ownership that Todd Bowley's brought. Yeah. It hasn't been signed the biggest players all the time. It's been more... Not necessarily, it's, it would be facetious to say it is the money ball approach, but it is more akin to that, using statistics to can, your advantage. Can I say, though, mm -hmm. it works with Todd Bowley and the Dodgers mm -hmm. because he's an American who has a history with baseball, at least has been exposed to baseball. Todd Bowley does not know football. And now this is my turn to be anti-American okay. owner, considering that one of the teams that I have previously liked, Swansea has fallen out of favor because of an American owner that came in not knowing uh, the sports. 
right? And and I I honestly disagree with you with the big player thing because uh not only was is Tuchel at fault here because uh, according to some reports and I I feel like we should all take like a grain of salt with any of these reports because both sides are going to be trying to do like their own smear campaign, but from the board at least, uh. There's reports that, that Tuchel did not initiate a single conversation with one first-team player at Chelsea for more than a year, offering him no guidance on how they can get back into his team. That That, that is not good management uh, from Tuchel, and obviously not wanting to communicate with the board, uh, sometimes sending agents and his assistants into meetings instead of just going to himself, despite the fact that a, a change in leadership is happening, is not a good look. But also, one of the first disagreements between Todd Bowley and Thomas Tuchel were caused by the market. The owner of Chelsea had everything agreed to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. That's where the rumors came up earlier this summer. But the coach ruled him out, prioritizing others like Obama Yang. Like, yes, Tuchel's at fault. But I honestly think that Todd Bowley is not doing the money ball thing. He's trying to get a big name here. Because he doesn't know soccer. He doesn't know ball, unlike me. Unlike me. <laughs> I, that, that's fair. I disagree with the Ronaldo idea as well. I, th- I thought it would have been bad. But I'll also say, like, this seems like a, he's trying to set up for a, better, for a better future with it. Because but how? He doesn't have a director of football either. That, well, that's what he's doing now. There, there's heavy links to, I, I believe it was Liverpool's former director of football, which, not too bad, you know? That, that, yeah. that wouldn't be terrible. Uh, given what Liverpool's done with their recruitment, and also working with a manager who wants to be involved with that. And so, I, I think that's nice. So why do you spend £280 million in the summer and then fire the coach whose project was part of that £280 million without a director of football either? I, I think he had every intention of backing Tuchel and finding a sporting director that worked with him. I think he really did want it to work with Tuchel. I, 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 don't, I, I think he did. But after all of these things compounding, and may, may, maybe the losses also pushed it over the line. May, we, don't, we don't know. We're not in the boardroom, right? Yeah. So we, we, we can't tell for a fact. But it eventually pushed it over the line to the point where, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And I am hopeful that this is a sign not of a continuation of Abramovich era, you know, manager carousel, but of a genuine want to create a team that is built for more of a future and built not, uh, is built more to win. I, I, I think Graham Potter provides a lot of that. His tactical flexibility is great. We got a bunch of their coaching staff too, like Brighton's goalkeeping staff, which like, you know, Robert Sanchez a year and a half ago was like just the third choice goalkeeper for Brighton. Mm-hmm. All the, they, they get, they get this goalkeeping coach and he starts becoming better and better and better. And now he's like considered one of the starting choices for the Spanish national team. Yeah. I, I think, I think the project is coming together and I, I, I think Bully truly did want it to work with Tuchel. I, I think he yeah. did. But at some point, it just became evident that this relationship was not going to work with them. And as a result, uh, you know, Bully made the decision and 
I, I'm just hopeful that this leads to better things to come. Getting I, a director of football needs to happen before the mm-hmm. January transfer market. Reports say uh, Bully's already working with Graham Potter to find a, a director of football that suits Graham Potter as well as the club, which if that if that report's true, that's great. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And that would that would confirm my suspicions, I think. But uh, but, you know, yeah. But what doesn't confirm your suspicions is still the fact that all all of the transfer window mumbo jumbo still happened and Todd Bowley was apparently okay with it with it. And you know, Thomas Tuchel, I I feel like when you have like a not great relationship with someone, it it, it should be clear because Todd Bowley's been here since what, April, May, even before then? May, like, I it, think what it was it should be it should be clear within like the first four months before the transfer window closes at least that it's it's not going to work and 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 you should even even if you're not going to fire him you should have an inclination that it doesn't work and maybe you don't buy Aubameyang who is undeniably in a, a Tuchel signing and what makes me worried about the Chelsea project because I genuinely just want to see like projects work out and and, because that's interesting to me is the fact that i think i think there is difference between abramovich and bowling i think the main one is that unlike abramovich who was very like "I'll, i'll stand back i will give you a bunch of money but i will let my people and the people i hire handle most of the day today bowling is someone that wants to get his hands dirty and like shape the club with with his own hands and it, he, you mentioned that he wants a manager that he can bounce ideas off of. But I don't think that is the right way to go about things, especially when you're someone that doesn't have a footballing background who has clearly made some missteps or at least tried to make some missteps in the transfer window uh, uh, this time around. I feel like him getting too involved is almost, it, it, it is almost the opposite of what a project is and should be for Chelsea because you don't want you don't want the project to rely on the brainchild of Todd Bowley your owner you want it to be off of someone that is a director of football and even if they do get a director of football everything that I've seen the last five months has told me that Todd Bowley is someone that still wants to get involved regardless of who's in charge regardless of of who he appoints so that that is what worries me it's not Graham. i think Graham Potter is a great head coach i've been saying this for the past two seasons i think thomas tuchel is a fine coach i think he's going to land on his seat maybe he uh eventually replaces allegory at juve when allegory uh, eventually absolutely fails as is what's going on right now i think he'll be on his feet i think the players are very very good for Chelsea, I think it sets them up for a lot of long-term success. One of the best young squads uh, in the Premier League outside of only a select few. My worry still, Jack, is Todd Bowley and what he decides to do with managerial changes, how much he decides to, to override decisions made by the backroom staff. That's my main issue. Yeah. I... I will I'll, I'll say one last thing on it. And sure. I think I I think, you know, yes, Bully wants to get involved with things. But part of me also thinks 
how much of it was out of purely I want to be involved with this because I think I know the sport versus how much of it was I've been put in a terrible situation and I can't and I need to do something because the transfer market moves fast because like you you have to remember he was expecting to work with Petr Cech and Marina Granovskaya throughout the summer and then they were gonna and then he was thinking they would leave but they left at the beginning of the transfer window and he was just kind of stuck in this situation then so I I think I think maybe it's a bit of both maybe he he's he truly is like, I want to do this myself. This is only my project. Maybe I'll get some other people to bounce ideas off of, but I want this to be purely mine. But maybe it's also, he got put in a terrible situation. And, and as a result, had to, had to make these decisions. And sometimes, I'm not, I'm not trying to say he was infallible and that everything was perfect. I, I'm not going to say that because he wasn't. The transfer window didn't go exactly how Chelsea wanted, right? So I, I, I obviously would not be able to say that. And if I wa- was, it wouldn't be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think maybe it's, it, it, it's a result of circumstance as, as opposed to completely him being like, I need to be completely involved. It, I, it's probably a mix of both. Yeah, I but know. I, I, I don't think painting him as like, Oh, this is my project. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is yeah, my yeah, clay yeah. that I yeah. need to mold. Is exactly it, it tells an incomplete story. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I, I, I'll, t- I'll tone down my, my hostility towards Todd Bully okay. a little bit, because, I mean, if he fails, I mean that's good for my team. So I don't even know why. I, I don't even know why I'm like, I'm like he needs to do better. He shouldn't do better. I want to, I, I want to beat them next time, uh, but. I think Ronaldo's potential signing kind of disproves that. You don't sign Ronaldo without your manager's, uh, you know, permission, without kind of having your own vision of what the club should be, right? If that was the case, then he'd be like, hey, Tuchel, who do you think fits your system? We'll sign them. And it wasn't until he had everything done to sign Cristiano Ronaldo that Tuchel was finally like, oh, well, I actually want Aubameyang. Like, like that tells me a little different story. And again, take everything that's been reported with a grain of salt until a year later when everything actually comes out as truth. So and, I don't know. But also, like, is that isn't that kind of also Tuchel's fault for not wanting to be involved? I, yeah, I mean, right. I, so you're 100 right. So it, it, I feel I feel like there there's a lot of complex there. As with most of the stories we cover on the podcast, there's a lot of complexity involved. Uh, and, but overall, I am choosing to be hopeful. (laughs) I know, I know you are, I know you are. That, that the, that the, the way that things are moving is evidence of a change in style, not always pursuing, oh, here's the big, here's the new big thing. This is what we do. Like, you know, Lukaku is a perfect example of that, right? Not necess- did did he fit Chelsea's system? Absolutely not. He he didn't. I I I chose to to be blind to that in uh last season sure. because I was like, oh, that will be fun. Uh, but he didn't fit the system, right? But we paid a hundred million because oh, he was good for Inter, and a lot of people are talking about him. So why don't we yeah. sign him? But that wasn't that wasn't a good choice. Meanwhile, signing Obama, and maybe it's a Tuchel signing, but maybe it's also a look at oh. We just need someone who isn't, we don't need someone that is fast. We, we don't need someone who is young and is going to 
create a ton. We need someone to just be in physically in the position uh, who is proven in the Premier League to score. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is purely Tuchel. I don't know. It, it's there's a lot of what ifs in this situation, but I think that there are some things that kind of show that maybe, just maybe, there's a difference. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm also, I also want to say because I haven't talked about it now. Graham Potter, yeah, great manager, say, great managerial I, I think choice. That's a great sign. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's fantastic. He has way more tactical flexibility. Like if you look at how Brighton play, the way that they switch systems so easily and are able to switch tactics so fluidly, uh, their transitional play is pretty good as well. I think Chelsea will benefit from that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 I'm not like any of the Chelsea fans who are like, oh, Tuchel, Tuchel is the only person who could, who could, who could do things that are good. No. Uh, I also want to say one, one more time, because a bunch of U.S. men's national team accounts were saying this, like, yes, Pulisic is free. Not, not necessarily. necessarily. Not, not necessarily. necessarily. Please, please do not, please do not use this and say it was only Tuchel. It could, it could just, it, it could be that it could just be he hates Chelsea in general and not just Tuchel. Yeah. It could be. We, we, we'll see because, yeah. you know, because the queen died, we, we, we won't find out for another two weeks about yeah. that. So who knows? Who knows what's actually yeah. going to happen with that? I, I think I think Grant Potter is one of the best head coaching appointments that Chelsea could have done. I also like how, you know, he is flexible, at least more flexible than Tuchel, who I mean, low bar. Uh, but he at least has a base system that he played with Brighton. That's similar to Chelsea's. It wasn't necessarily like, like Chelsea's 3-4-3. He played a lot of like 3-5-2. Uh, but that back three is still constant. So the amount of like tactical change that players will have to get used to is a lot less, which is, I think, good in the long run for, for Chelsea. Uh, or short run, I should say. Uh, long run, I also think that he is someone that like likes projects, which I think is why maybe Todd Bully likes him if, he, if you, your project assessment is 100% true. Uh, so I, I think that is good for him on Pulisic. Uh, you know, I, I watched a good amount of, of Brighton. I think he could fit in that like Trossard inverted left winger, sometimes wing back role. And I know wing back is a very scary term to throw around when it comes to uh, Chelsea and Pulisic's playing time. But it should be known that Potter and and Thomas Tuchel are still two very different managers. Potter, despite Brighton not having the best underlying numbers offensively last season, still, when you look at the average position of like the wingbacks for Brighton, they play a lot higher, and it's more like a traditional winger than it would be a fullback. So whether that's Chilwell, Reese James, or uh, Christian Pulisic like getting some minutes as well, uh, it's going to be a lot more attacking. Good for FPL, too. So, very happy for that. Jack, let's talk about some Champions League and other stuff that happened. Uh, starting with uh, probably the, the, one of the biggest games coming out of America, the U.S. Open Cup final happened, Jack. Uh, and we had, unfortunately, the Evil overdog. One. The overdog Evil. beating the underdog. 
the true Mickey Mouse team won. Yeah, yeah literally, literally. Yeah. Uh, Orlando City <laughs> hosted Sacramento Republic of the USL Championship. Orlando City is an MLS team, and uh, they beat them three to zero. But it, but honestly, Sacramento held their own throughout most of the of the second half and all of the first half. Uh, even had a couple of chances themselves to potentially uh, get on the the score sheet. But it was Facundo Torres of Orlando City scoring first, scoring a penalty second off of a pretty clear penalty, and then assisting Benji Michel for the third goal in the 90-plus sixth minute to ice it. Uh, Unfortunately, after that goal, Facundo Torres kind of took the sails out of Sacramento Republic's uh, uh, sails, and it just, you know, it was over after that. So Orlando City win their first MLS era trophy. I was getting kind of mad that MLS kept on saying that uh, this is their first trophy, as is usually the case with MLS yeah. taking away club's history. They won uh, USL uh, back in the day. Leave them alone. Uh, but Sacramento Republic, I think, should still hold their heads up high. They had a great run, beating, I think, it's like three or four uh, MLS teams to get yeah, here. Yeah, something like that. It was, they beat Sporting Kansas City, LA Galaxy, and uh san, san jose. jose yeah at, at least yeah so uh and from foot mob it only shows up to uh the round of 16 so that's a pretty good run a uh, lot of good memories obviously they, they get the cash incentive as well so good for them i think yeah yeah i mean they i i will say like uh you know the goalkeeper didn't have the best game uh yeah so there there was that but Sacramento have a lot to be proud of. They they yes. really do. Uh, they performed far better than anyone else was thinking. They, uh, I think I tweeted this like, they may not have won the trophy, but they won literally everyone who does not live in Orlando's hearts. Yes, uh, true. That like, I I did not see a single person outside of Orlando. I think that uh, again, probably a small sample size that I looked at here. I'm using a lot of statistics here. Uh, Good job. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm studying up. Uh, but I don't think I saw anyone else outside of Orlando that was like, yeah, I really want Orlando City to win the, the Open Cup final. Uh, I, I know of at least one of, one of our listeners that, that was definitely cheering for Orlando City to win. Because, Logan? Yeah, because he's an yeah. Orlando City fan because he lives in Orlando. Of course. Which, I think lends cre- uh, credibility to that point, maybe a little bit. Uh, but I, I think Sacramento Republic, good job for them. They created some memorable moments. I would not be shocked if some of the players from this team end up going to like MLS clubs uh, this this off season. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if like you know uh, Malik For- Foster, who had a pretty good Open Cup, ends up heading off to an ML- an MLS club. I, I wouldn't I would not be shocked if uh, Vitiello ends up going to an MLS club because while he didn't have a great final, people remember that game against SKC where he went off in that game. Like he, uh-huh. he was he, he, he took the lights out of SKC uh, named player of the match by foot mob in that because he made eight saves and a penalty shootout save. Uh, I, I think that this team should be proud of everything they accomplished. All right. And awesome. 
especially when you consider the the Spygate scandal. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that influenced him. Maybe uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, so apparently, Orlando City sent one of their staffers to go to uh, the Sacramento Republic training session, and even though that staff staff member was asked to leave, they didn't. I'll be honest, I, I don't know how much you can get from a, a training session. It's not like baseball where you can like steal like like pitching science or whatever, but gotta put that asterisk on there. Sacramento <laughs> Republic are the real winners here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move across the pond. Congratulations, of course, to Orlando City. It, it is still yeah. a, a big deal, and uh, it's now Minnesota United are now the oldest MLS team to not have won uh, a trophy of any kind in MLS. So, there oh, you go. Man. <laughs> yeah, really. The, every other team has won a trophy. Yeah, a, a trophy oh, of some man. kind. The the la- the last two were at, were NYCFC in Orlando City, and when you know it's how the last year has gone, Atlanta United, uh, who came in with Minnesota United, are. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> it, it, to be fair, it, we're still like only five years old, so it's not crazy. W- w- once we get to like Philadelphia Union levels, then we should be worried, right? Because Philadelphia Union yeah. like went like twelve years, and I, I I'm hoping we can get, go less than that. I, this I season's so. not looking great. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I I will take getting past the first round of the playoffs this year. That, yeah, that, I'll, that, oh, I'll take yes, that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I would take that. I would get. I actually, after the fat, uh, the past three three weeks, uh, I'd take getting into the playoffs. To be quite honest, yeah. If, if we lose to LAFC, it's gonna get a lot uh, dicier. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh. So congratulations, to Orlando, Minnesota. Yeah, let's step it up. Uh, Jack, some Europe stuff happened. Yay, yay, yay. Champions League has kicked off, which means that there's some fun results and fun games to look forward to uh, in the midweek that I think we should talk about. Jack, PSG beat Juventus 2-1. Weston McKennie was able to score a goal off of a Kostic assist. Of course, he's going to be good. Kylian Mbappe got a, got a, a brace. But one of the things I thought was interesting was the fact that uh, he he tried so hard to get a hat trick when he could have just passed to Neymar at, at the aforementioned uh pass gate. Some might pe- some people might be calling it. Uh, I I'm not gonna read into it uh too much, but I I, I still don't think that PSG is a, a super cohesive team as it is. It, it feels like a team that it, that is succeeding because they have a lot of money because they have a lot of good players, not necessarily because they are just the best constructed team, the best team on the field. But in this game, they were, I suppose. I don't know. Any thoughts on PSG other than a shrug and saying that they are good? I mean, Mbappe just cuts a figure that he doesn't really want to be there. Uh, Like, I I still think back a few weeks ago to when uh, there was an attack where he didn't get the ball, and so he just stopped running. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, and then this this game also kind of showcases that. Uh, I mean, the you did you see the story about like apparently Emmanuel Macron called him and told him to stay in France. That's crazy. Yeah, like that's crazy. And he's like, you know, when the president calls, you don't say no. And it's like, you're you're kidding me, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it takes it takes that much for you to stay at a club. Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he should have gone to Real Madrid. He should have. Yeah. He would have been happier. 
Yeah. Uh, PSG, PSG honestly probably would have been a more cohesive unit as well because they would have had, they, they would have been able to replace him. They would have, they would have I mean, been. How, how to, do you place Mbappe? That's the thing, though. That's the thing. You, you, you let Messi go off and Neymar go off because when Mbappe wasn't playing at the beginning 80 of the year season, old Messi, like Mbappe's, 80 year old, bro, he's 34. <laughs> Mbappe's <laughs> like what, 22, 23? He yeah. like, like, like he is the person that you build around, but it's because he doesn't want to be there. Obviously, chase the bag, right? Yeah, uh, props yeah. to you. But like that body language, that doesn't win you Champions Leagues. Yeah, why? So, but why build around a person who doesn't want to be there, right? Like, yeah, they they've given him pretty much everything he could ask for. Two world class attackers to supply him st- chances. He just doesn't. He just doesn't have the effort or the want to get into the positions to score him. Uh, I, I'm a French national team fan. I would love. I would love it if Mbappe would, would have gone to Real Madrid, even though I hate okay. Real Madrid, because he would have been better for it. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I, and plus Messi and Neymar are enough to carry an offense most of the way. Uh, honestly. I don't, I don't think in the year 2022 that it's necessarily Did you, the case. You, you didn't see PSG play their games before Mbappe started playing them. That's true. That, that's true. Like if, I, I'm I'm gonna stick on this for just a little bit more because okay. looking at looking at it, they beat they beat Nantes four zero, they beat Clermont five to zero, they beat Montpellier five to one, they beat Lille seven to one. Lille was the first game that Mbappe started playing, but then Monaco draw, beat Toulouse three zero, beat Nantes. What 3-0. wait? What season is this? This is this season. Okay. And then yesterday they won one zero over Brest, who are not. We're not a good team. They are in the relegation zone. They have won one match. I'm going to need some more stats on this if I'm going to decide whether or not Mbappe is bad for this team. I mean, in, in, in this past game, he was the worst ranked player. He did not. He didn't create chances. He did. He, he took some shots. But Neymar and Messi are the reason why PSG sure. won that game. Okay. I, I'm I, right. I, I don't know. I, I think I think Mbappe could become like how Ronaldo seems to be at Manchester United before he got benched. Okay. All right. All right. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, let's move on to Shakhtar Donetsk battering RB Leipzig 4-1, to le- leading to their uh, manager, Domenico Tedesco, getting sacked and bringing in a former uh, Borussia Dortmund manager, Marco Rosa, in. Crazy, crazy. And, and guess what's happened? Since that th- they've signed that man, they used to beat Borussia Dortmund three to zero, so I don't know. Even though even though they lost to Shakhtar Donetsk, I think honestly, RB Leipzig aren't going to be terrible. I think I mean obviously I, I think that uh the title race is kind of over for them. They're they're sitting still mid table, uh having lost some against some teams that they probably should have beaten, but I I think Margarosa is going to be a, a good appointment here and RB Leipzig unfortunately are going against Real Madrid uh later on this week so it's not like they're going to get any let off there but uh potentially potentially they can miss out on a ch- round of 16 but who knows who knows I don't know any thoughts Jack Shakhtar played a good game uh right. they really did uh me Mikalo uh Mudrik Modric? Your guess is mine. I don't I don't speak Ukrainian. Uh so he 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 had a great game. 
scoring a goal, providing two assists, only 21 years old. Very good. And then uh, 25-year-old Marion Shved. I don't know if I pronounced that right either. He had two goals as well. Those two combined on the wings, they they were they looked borderline unstoppable at some points. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a result of RB Leipzig's defense not being good. Yeah, but I think it's also a result of maybe they're just good players. Maybe they are. Uh, yeah, but I I was impressed by Shakhtar. I when we previewed the Champions League, I was like, I'm not sure how they'll do given they've had so much time off because of circumstances outside of their control. But uh, honestly, not terrible. (laughs) It doesn't look like they don't look like they've been doing that badly. Their, their preseason was not a good indication of where Uh they are this season because since the season started, they have not lost a game. I mean, they are like still like one of the best teams in Ukraine. That's true. This is true, but you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. They, they, I, they've, they've been better than I think. Like Dinamo Kiev, by for for example, you'd consider them to be one of the better teams in Ukraine, right? Sure. They're in tenth. Well, uh, I mean, that says more about Kiev than it does uh, Shakhtar. But maybe, yes. but also, there's a bunch of geopolitics that I could get yes, into. Yeah, to yeah, this, I, but, I know Sh- but, Shakhtar Donetsk is especially different. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Because Donetsk, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I, I think it. I think it honestly comes down to if they can beat Celtic, who's also in their group, who lost to Real Madrid. If they can like do the double over Celtic, I think they can be staring uh, second place in the face right there. I, th- I think they will. I, I almost mathematically, right? Like because yeah. RB Leipzig, they did they beat Leipzig at home too. Uh, they they beat RB Leipzig away. Uh, so that's that's. Oh yeah, I meant at Leipzig. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think. I think they could do it. I think I think they could, uh, especially plus three goal differential to start yeah. off with. You're you're gonna need that kind of buffer if you're going up against Real Madrid in your group. Uh, yeah, I I think they beat Celtic, get some kind of result in Real Madrid. That's that could even just mean meaning They've losing one to zero. They've yeah. done it before, right? Yeah. Like, sure, why not? Why yeah. Not? How about uh, another Red Bull team that's doing slightly better? Our RB Salzburg tied. AC Milan, AC Milan that had uh, Sergio Dest have his uh, debut, and guess what? After he came on, the zero goal scored. So, wow. there you go, there you go. Uh, yeah. But Noah Okafor kind of, uh, I, I think, I think Salzburg came out like very, very high tempo, very attacking, and Noah Okafor uh, was able to capitalize on that. Uh, but who else then? Rafael Liao uh, assi- has the assist for the equalizer to. Alexis Silemakers, uh having the draw. AC Milan, uh, pretty good uh, start to the season, I think. Uh, tied for first place with Napoli and Atlanta, Jack. Wow. Uh, so I- I'm interested to see how they split up time between uh, Champions League and also the rest of Serie A. I'm sure they want to, you know, c- retain their title, but... Drawing against Salzburg is not a great start, especially when... Uh, actually, it's a fine start, considering Dynamo Zagreb uh, beat Chelsea. Yeah. So you have you have a little bit of a buffer, uh, a one-point a one point buffer against who's probably going to be your biggest rivals in the, in the 
the Champions League group stage. They were so. away from home too. Like, yeah. you know, you can you can give them a little bit more credit. They, yeah. M- Milan played well. Um and yeah, it, their their defense was pretty good. Mignon had a good game. Hernandez had a great game. Uh and but I think the player that's been most impressive for me, uh, I could say Giroud because he's been very good still. But uh Pierre Kalulu. Uh-huh. Very yeah, yeah, young absolutely. French center back. I hyped him up when we were talking about the the Olympics because he was playing for France then. And honestly, he was like one of the only good parts of the French team at, wow. at, that, at that. Uh no offense to anyone else on that team, but also some. Uh wow. He he's he's very good. Uh he's started starting games more often, which is very good to see. Uh I could see him being like a good prospect for the national team in the future. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Uh let's go on to let's, let's go on to Napoli can, versus yeah, can, Liverpool. Can we dunk on Liverpool a little bit? More? Yes, absolutely. So this was a, a crazy match. Liverpool have not been playing very well. They drew to, I mean, before that, they beat Bournemouth 9-0 to and, and they beat Newcastle 2-1. to That game is a little bit closer, but they drew 0-0 to Everton. Everton's been playing pretty well, but to still draw in the Merseyside derby, like a very big game, all things considered, kind of disappointing. Should have honestly had someone sent off in that game too yeah sure that was a big var miss that day yeah four to one was the score against uh napoli uh, uh yeah against napoli for liverpool could have been five to one uh Oshaman, uh missed the penalty in the 18th minute uh zielinski made his penalty in the fifth minute we had anguisa who i think was phenomenal uh in this match along with of course zielinski uh but anguisa got the goal assisted by zielinski uh, then we have uh, Simeone, the sub who came in just three minutes before, scored uh, to make it three to zero. Zielinski makes it four to zero. Luis Diaz uh, gets a consolation goal in the 49th minute. That's how bad it was already. And then by then, it was already all, all out of sorts. So you had uh, Jurgen Klopp subbing out some of the starters, Firmino, Sala, and Milner, all come out in the 62nd minute, kind of waving the, the white flag there. But really, this was this was just a, a very very kind of fast game from napoli uh caught liverpool sleeping mentally and was able to get a, a lot of uh, uh attacks going right away i mean you, you look at the stats and it, it really just wasn't close 4.1 expected goals to just one expected goals and you look at the shots that they take, and it was the same amount of shots. So you had Napoli getting those chances, nine chances to one. And this is all despite the fact that Liverpool had the possession. So that tells you the story that Liverpool just could not get things going. And you could point, I would especially point, I know Jackson point to another area of the pitch. I'm going to point pretty firmly to that midfield. I think Hurricane Klopp really wanted to get... Uh, uh, a replacement that wasn't Artur from Juve. Yeah. Not, not not to make fun of them, but like literally like Fabinho is a, is a good midfielder. Milner is a midfielder. Harvey Elliott's a good... <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Elliott is going to be a good midfielder, but that is not enough to be Champions League favorites. And because of that, that midfield, it doesn't lead to any uh, help from... Uh, that doesn't help the defense at all doesn't help the attack at all but even that 
the other two phases of play, not a lot of good stuff going from there, Jack. I will let you dunk on the player that you love dunking on, Jack. Go ahead. Trent cannot defend. He can't. He was he was partially at fault for most of the goals. Yeah. Joe he, Gomez he, as well, I should say. Joe Joe Gomez as well, but also like Trent didn't track back on some of the goals. Yeah. He lost his man way too often, which also, coincidentally, he was at fault for the goal in the Champions League final because he lost his runner. Yeah. Uh he for so long his his defensive frailties have been covered up by the fact that he is young, English, and produces a lot of assists and goals. Which is fine and good, but if you're a right back, he I, I, I was talking to someone who said it I think best. Trent is one of the best players that is uh, that is a center midfielder masquerading as a right back. Yeah. I think if he moved up to center midfield, he would he he would thrive even more than he does at right back. Or like you know, uh, or like as a right midfielder in like a three four three, he would do fantastic there. But his defensive side of the game is not very good. Uh, that's not to say he, it's entirely his fault. I would love to say it was, but it wasn't. Van Dyke did not have a good game. He has had a very bad start to the season. I would say. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Uh, he he committed a foul leading to the penalty. James Milner obviously is not who you want starting this midfield game yeah uh old van milner jeez yeah he's 36 he couldn't keep up with it uh and also firmino scoring a hat trick against bournemouth bought him too much too much uh honestly sure a hat trick against bournemouth does not mean that you are back as the results show but you you've dunked on liverpool their midfield yes it's bad uh, but I want to give credit to Napoli because Napoli played a fantastic game. Alex Moret, six saves in this game. He was amazing. Uh, he, he made some fantastic saves, you know, prevented, prevented most of the shots going in. Good, good for him. Zelensky or Zielinski, not, not Zelensky. That's the president Sorry. of Ukraine. Uh, he, he very, very good. Two goals and an assist. Player of the match, according to Footmob, great for him. Uh, Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa dominated the midfield, dominated it. 88% pass completion, created two chances, scored a goal. Uh, you know, one got every single dribble successfully, put three out of three lawn ball, accurate lawn balls in. He won 50% of his tackles, recovered the ball 13 times, made five interceptions. He honestly, he is my man of the match for, okay. for this game. He that's who I would give man of the match to because he took advantage of Liverpool's poor control of the midfield and completely exploited it. He was able to control the game from the midfield. But I also want to put a light on someone whose name I'm going to butcher, uh, which is Kavicha Kavaretskila. Kavaretskila. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's good enough. Sure. Very young uh, Georgian, not the state country. Twenty one <clears throat> year year old left winger. What a what what a start to the season this guy's having. Like he he signed for Napoli this summer and he was kind of a replacement for Insigne. Kind of like uh because I don't even think Napoli w were expecting him yeah. to be this good of a direct replacement. He has four goals and one assist in Serie A this season to start the season. He has been fantastic. He I think he I think he was also 
I'm going to check to make sure. Uh, no, he wasn't. I thought he was the one who scored the last minute goal against Spezia. That was Raspadori. But what a, what a player he's been. What, a, what, what scouting by, by Napoli to get him. Well, Jack, and, not, I, I want to ask you now. Yeah. You like the players. How, how do you feel about Napoli's chances at, in Serie A? Still Atalanta. Oh. I refuse to. I refuse to go there. Hey, they're they're at the same position. They're they're stalling even points. Yeah, it's happen. It's, that's it's, true. It's, Atlanta have less goals conceded, but Napoli has been a scoring machine while also not letting in many goals too. Only four goals conceded throughout the season yeah. so far. Yes, so. but you know I, I'm still gonna stick with Atlanta until proven otherwise. Because okay. uh, if Chelsea aren't going to do good, I'm I'm going to get joy from somewhere. I swear. <laughs> All right, all right. I respect it so much. You have no idea. Uh, so that's Napoli versus Liverpool. Uh, let's talk uh, penultimate kind of games here. Bayern beat Inter two to zero away from home. That's huge. That's huge. Uh, obviously, the underlying numbers don't lie. They're still doing well even without uh, even without Lewandowski. At least in the Champions League, Bayern Munich kind of been a, a Bayern a draw. A, I mean, I'm not going to make the, the the pun work, but they, they drawn a, a lot of games here. Uh, draw in Munich. I don't know. Ooh, that's way. That's so good. That's so good. And, and again, this is not to say that offensively they've been bad. They've scored literally 19 goals in six games, but it's just that they can't really keep a clean sheet. So that's, I think, their main issue right now. They kept a clean sheet uh, against Inter Milan, but in their last three draws, it's been 1-1, 1-1, 2-2. The Bayern Munichs of the past would be able to put those games away and kind of uh, see those games out and, you know, not concede. But as we've seen before, uh, in his past weekend, you know, conceding a, a a penalty in the 90 plus second minute is just not good enough. And I'm not going to say that Delict is a is a, a bad player necessarily, uh, but I, I don't think that the defend the defense is necessarily the issue there. And maybe that Delict money could have been spent on getting some better defensive minded midfielders in the in that Bayern Munich. Uh, two there not to say well, Kimmich and Goretzka are bad but I mean it's it, Uba Makano and Delict can't save everything let's just say that much look I'm happy that Delict didn't perform well in the game because it makes me feel better that Chelsea didn't get him. yeah uh but Bayern you know in that game against Inter honestly it should have been so much more uh the honestly the only player on Inter's team that looked like they showed up was Andre Onana. Ten uh -huh. saves. Ten. Uh, Bayern, Bayern's downfall has just been goalkeepers on their side and the other side. Because sure. uh, in, in, in the game against Mönchengladbach and Inter Milan alone, they, they had 29 shots saved. Yikes. Like, they, their downfall has been just fantastic goalkeeping, really. Yeah. Uh, Neuer... Look, he's been good for a Dang, long time, but I can't believe you're saying this right now. Maybe, maybe it's worth, maybe it's worth trying something new. Maybe Dang. it's worth it. You're wild. I, you're wild. I, I don't know. Maybe actually, mm, mm, I looked at their goalkeeping. Exactly. Uh, you can't. Yeah. Uh, maybe they should have invested the money 
uh, on the licked into a, a better backup. Maybe. Yeah. Well, Jack, Bayern Munich, maybe they'll keep Neuer, maybe they won't, but their next match is an important one, so maybe they want to keep Neuer. It's going to be against Barcelona, one of the deciders for this group. Barcelona, who, uh, reading off the stats here, haven't lost in 14 uh, games in the past four games, who, yeah, yes, some of that was against like Victoria Plisson and Cadiz. Also against Sevilla, they have outscored their opponents uh, 16 to 1. So that's not like they've been bad at all. Again, un- haven't lost in 14 games, unbeaten in 20 away games. Bayern Munich, to their own credit, haven't lost in nine matches. And uh, obviously have the record, you know, 8-2 to two at one time. Also did the double 2-3-0 uh, to zero wins in the last group stage of the Champions League against uh, Barcelona. Actually have won the last four matches against Barcelona, which is just kind of embarrassing. Kind of embarrassing. Jack, I want to hear a quick prediction from you, seeing this is undoubtedly going to be one of the biggest matches in uh, the next week, especially if the Premier League matches don't go. So, assuming that this is the biggest match this week, who wins this match? Give me the scoreline. So, Bayern are playing at home, Mm -hmm. right? Barcelona are playing well, but also the quality of opposition, I wouldn't say, has been the best the league has to offer that they that they've faced off against right because they beat they beat 20th 17th and 16th in their last three sure that that, that that's the record recently Bayern have drawn to the team that's currently top of the Bundesliga and being at home with the history behind it I think the the drive and we can see it in the in their games and in their game in the Champions League I think they'll win it three to two. Mm, I think okay. I think it will be a close one. But Barcelona haven't had the best de- defense either. Like they've had good defense, but I I still don't completely trust Ter Stegen. I'm not I'm not fully convinced ah. this is truly this is truly the real Ter Stegen, or if it's just a ruse here that that we're seeing. Uh, but. I, 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 yeah, they, they beat Victoria Pilsen. Cool. Uh, I, I don't think anyone expected otherwise, but you know, Pilsen scoring a goal against them is cool. Uh, to, to put that on a resume, Sikora is going to put that on his, on a resume. <laughs> sure. That That's the print of that goal is going on, going over the, fi- uh, over the fireplace. Uh, but I think that Bar- that Bayern have enough to get it done. Just barely, and it's mainly because of home field advantage, and uh, uh, that's that. <sighs> Boo. That's it. I, I, you, you also know I'm a Barca hater, so yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a Barca okay with er, and I got three words for you, Jack. Okay. Lewandowski yep. revenge game. Okay. I think if he scores, he celebrates against Bayern too. I, 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 oh, I think, I, I think that I think it's gonna. I want that to happen. Oh, at. At Allianz Arena, yes, bro. I want that. I want it so to happen badly. only if he does a tic- a cringy TikTok dance to celebrate. Oh, uh, he will. Those are weird TikToks he posts. <laughs> but but you, I, I would love nothing more. <laughs> you look at Barcelona's underlying numbers. I mean, they're top in expected goals in La Liga, more than Real Madrid. Uh, they're near the bottom for XG conceded, 18th place. So 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 on both sides of the ball, they're very good. Yes, against worse competition, but you can only beat what's ahead of you. And the fact that they were able to beat these teams and beat these teams maybe more than than what they are expected to what they're used to 
I think that tells you a lot. And I, I think that that should say that uh, this is a, a new look team. The project is still a project. I'm not going to expect them to win th this uh, Champions League. But I could see them upsetting uh, Bayern Munich, especially if all of their players, you know, are motivated. And I think they will, especially that man up front. So I'm going to go two to one okay. for Barcelona. It's going to okay. be a crazy result. And Robert Lewandowski is, is going to uh, assist, I'm going to say, Ferran Torres for a goal. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm not sure if Ferran Torres starts this game. So. Uh, hey, I don't think he does. I think, I, I think uh, Leroy Sané scores for Bayern Munich. Okay. It, it goes into the half 1-0. I think Ferran Torres comes in in the 57th minute. I think Lewandowski finds Ferran Torres in the, in the 66th minute. And then Lewandowski scores in the 70, 79th minute. And he celebrates. Not too crazily, but he's like, I scored a goal, yeah. But so. him scoring at the Allianz Arena isn't even special. Come on, he scored there already so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That, I'm ki that. I'm kidding, but also I, I I think I I I'm a whole, I'm I'm gonna bet for Bayern. I'm gonna do it. They're gonna do it. Okay. I hope because okay. Barca have hurt me too much this off season. I I need revenge in one way or another. <laughs> All right. Manchester United lost against Real Sociedad, and it's very funny. There, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's my takeaway from it, too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jack, we went long. It makes sense. We talked about some pretty big news stories, and also, you weren't here for the past week, yeah. so got to gotta, gotta, gotta get your fill on Jack. Jack's great. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Jack, where can people learn more about our, your hatred for the likes of Juve, Barcelona, Tottenham, there's more teams. I'm forgetting. Uh, <laughs> Trent in general. Trent, Trent Kane, all, all of these. Anyone that scores against Minnesota United. Where can people hear about this? They can they can hear about it on Twitter um, at Final Third Show. You know you'll you'll be able to tell if it's me tweeting if it sounds like a cranky old man yelling at the TV, uh, and if it's if it's somewhat more thoughtful and like has more research backing it up, it's probably AJ tweeting at me. <laughs> See, play. You know what? You should follow us on there. And then play a game. See if you can identify who tweeted what. Yeah. It's a fun game. And, you know, if you like it, you can follow us on there. Yeah. Here's a hint for that game, too. If if the, the tweet is, like, weirdly serious and has too many periods and doesn't sound positive at all, it's probably me. Jack Jack does a good job of, like, having exclamation points and having, like, tweets sound like like he's having a good time living life. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, everything's crap. Like, 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 Manchester United are an embarrassment. It's really funny. Ha ha ha. And Jack's like, Jack's like, wow, Chelsea, you're doing really good. Uh, you'll never hear that from me. <laughs> very, yeah, very, yeah. very. That, that's another hint. That's another hint. If yeah. it's hyping up teams that aren't ones that would be typically supported, it's probably AJ because he does a good job of, you know, being neutral. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And then, meanwhile, if there is anything that has to do with Juventus, uh, oh. honestly, uh, you'll you'll be able to tell. I think. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, FinalThirdShow.com for anything. Final Third Show. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys same time, same place for the news and predictions episode next week. I can foresee some really cool news stories. Maybe no Premier League, though, uh, unfortunately. So we'll yeah. see you guys then. 
uh, tell a friend about the show, tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he'd love to hear about our debate about Todd Bowley, Thomas Tuchel, and Graham Potter. See ya. Bye for now.